Let's talk about this favourite, short-priced favourite, actually, to win the Turnbull Stakes Romantic Warrior. He's one of the established stars in Hong Kong. Look at his record. 14 starts, 10 wins, 3 seconds. He's by acclamation. He's a 6-year-old. He's versatile, as we said, in the way that this horse can be ridden. Zach Purden rode him last start when he finished second to Russian Emperor in the Chater Cup when he led. Zach Purden is joining us now. And Zach's taken the lead over Hugh Bowman, of course, early in the season in the Hong Kong Jockeys Premiership with the last three winners, Zach, at Happy Valley on Wednesday night. How are you? Good, thanks, Steve. Yeah, yourself and you, a little bit of a battle early in the season. Oh, there's a long way to go. <laughs> My two main stables haven't really trained a winner yet. John Side hasn't trained a winner and Jamie Richards has only had one. So I'm battling with one hand behind my back at the moment. But, yeah, he, he was going well. He started good. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not going to be much of a competition for much longer. No, you'd be about a $1.10 chance, wouldn't you? Yeah, I haven't got going yet, so we'll warm up. <laughs> Is this going to be your last season? Uh, we'll see. We'll reassess it again um, towards the end of the season. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what I'll do one way or the other. We've got a long way to go. Have the Hong Kong Jockey Club been flexible, allowing you to travel more? Uh, they have, and, you know, that's obviously uh, on show again uh, next weekend. Both Huey and myself are going to be down in Sydney, and the other jockeys are, are welcome to travel as well as if they can get some rides. So... Yeah, they've, they've opened the door and um, allowed it. And, you know, post-COVID as well. During COVID, no one could travel anywhere. So that made things a little bit different, difficult. But uh, now now that the world's back to the way it should be, uh, the opportunity's there for us. Tell me about Romantic Warrior and what you think. Zach, you rode him, as I said, when he led last start and he just got nailed late behind Russian Emperor. That was back in that Cheetah Cup in May. Yeah, that was over 2,400, and to be honest, he, he can't really run that distance. It was just his class that was trying to carry him through. It didn't help that he got taken on a 1,000 metres from home either, so that softened him up, and he just got beat on the line. It was a great run, a good effort, and I think it just showed what type of character the horse has got. Uh, he's a winner. He's all heart. He gives everything, and he tried as hard as he could that day um, with the circumstances against him and, and very nearly pulled it off, so... He's got a really good winning record. 2,000 metres is, is his pet distance. Um, against that, you know, he hasn't had a run yet this season. He hasn't raced since May. He missed a barrier trial here in Hong Kong before he went down. And he's had to work on an unfamiliar surface uh, to get prepared for this race. So he's got a lot of things against him, I think. But uh, he's a winner uh, and he's going to turn up and he's going to make himself felt. He did have one trial that I watched. I think Karis Teton rode him in the trial. That was back in yeah, August. It was a, yeah, it was a fairly soft trial. Um, it was his first trial, so they weren't asking him to do too much. And It was on an unpreferred surface over a short distance, but um, he did what he always does. He was competitive. Um, he looked like he needed it, and I'm sure they would have liked to get an extra trial into him before they went down there. William Haggis, we just spoke to you, wouldn't have heard it, but he made an interesting point saying he's going in the different direction too for the first time. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Um, so that, that is a good point. Zach, um, his win two ago was quite dynamic and you rode the second horse that day, a prognosis. James rode Romantic Warrior when he's successful in that uh, Queen Elizabeth and prognosis, of course, bolted in recently in Japan, but that was a big performance that day, wasn't it, when he, he sat off money catcher. 
Yeah, it was, but, but he had the race run to suit that day. He drew the right gate. He sat third behind the two leaders. They went out in really slow sectionals. I think the overall race time was about one second outside of standard, and he just sat behind uh, the speed and sprinted at the right time and put sort of three, four lengths on the rest of the field. Money catches a bit of a plotter. I don't think he'd be getting sighted down there in Australia in any of the big races. Uh, and I was stuck back running last or second last on prognosis held up behind a heap of horses that couldn't bring me into the race and when I got clear I finished really strongly had that race had been run at a normal tempo or had I been able to get rolling from the 600 I've no doubt I would have beat Romantic Warrior that day but prognosis uh, then went back to Japan and as you said he, he franked that form by bolting in uh, in a race over there against some very good opposition so the form around him is good but um yeah, he was just in the right spot and had the right run that day and, you know, he got the job done. And a bit of rain around as well. He's never been on a rain effect, right? I can't see any, any form that says so. Uh, he's been on a couple of tracks here with a little bit of cut um, in them and you won't see that in the form guide because they're quite reluctant to change the rating uh, of the track sometimes. But he has raced with a little bit of cut uh, in the track and performed well. But our... Uh, Softer, softer tracks over here are completely different to the soft tracks that you would get in Australia. So that, uh, that poses another problem for him if it does come. If you were riding this horse here in this Turnbull, how would you ride Romantic Warrior? I haven't had a look at the race, uh, so I don't know what his opposition is and, and what he's up against and what the speed might look like in the race. But what I do know is he's got really good tactical speed. He always begins well and puts himself in a, in a nice spot. So he'll certainly be racing handy. All right. Well, that's the favourite for the Turnbull Stakes. I've got a lot of questions for you. Lucky Sway Ness, of course, we haven't seen him for a few weeks. He raced early in the season with that big weight. And he, he was second and mathematically he probably couldn't have gone much better given the circumstances behind Victor the winner. No, that's right. He had to give £20 away to Victor, the winner, who cantered through the first half of the race, and he ran home in 21.4 seconds. My bloke ran home in 21.6, so you can't ask any more of his performance that day. Uh, it was a good performance. He actually trials this morning um, in preparation for his next race, which uh, I just can't remember what the date is, but it'll be a 1,200-metre Group 2 race where he still has to give um, weight away to the other runners, but he'll be better suited in this next race. Of course, obviously he's heading towards the big sprint in December, so I wonder how many more he'll have, Lucky Sway Ness. Uh, he'll, he'll have two more, I think it is, yeah. If he came for the Everest and there was talk earlier this year, what do you think? Yeah, I'm disappointed we didn't get him down there. I reckon he would have been a, a very good chance. Um, the race has fallen away a little bit, um, but it's still a very strong race. Uh, a lot of good horses in there, but I, I just think Ramwick really would have suited him. He would have got into a nice rhythm, that big, long straight. He would have enjoyed. He's a horse that's won a group one over 1,400, and there's every chance that he might even be able to run a mile. He relaxes so well in his races. So I, I just think the long testing straight at Ramwick would have played into his hands. I certainly think he's got the quality to mix it with those horses. So it's disappointing we didn't get down there, but unfortunately the quarantine restrictions... Uh, going to and coming back from Australia just made it a little bit too difficult. Having to spend five weeks in quarantine on his own without seeing another horse was a lot to ask at this stage of the season as well. And, you know, he would have only just come back in time for the races in December. So the timing is not great for us. It's, it's doable, but not great. 
Um, but you never know. Hopefully I can convince them to go next year. We'll see what happens. Mm. We just talked about Romantic Warren earlier this year, January, Feb. Romantic ran second to the established star, Golden 60. Is there any news on, on him at the moment? What, what's his plan? So the whisper around is that he's going to run first up in the international in December. Um, and oh, really? that quite possibly, mm. quite possibly could be his last race as well. So... Um, they just want to prepare him for a for a uh, fitting swan song, if that's what uh, is going to happen. Okay, he's been incredible, hasn't he? That horse, uh, you know, what what he can do, and finally, you know, when he draws a gate, he can sit handy too. Um, Golden City. Yeah, he's the best horse I've yeah. seen uh, in Hong Kong. He's, his will to win is incredible. I've never seen a horse savage the line like he does every single time. He gets his ears back and. Yeah, he just chases down whatever he's got to chase down. So he's run home in incredible sectionals, like 21-1 and 21-2 consistently for a miler and a horse over 2,000 metres. That's very rare. Um, he's an extremely good horse. Zach, a horse that you've got a ter- had a terrific record on is California Spangle. I noticed he trialled recently uh, with a horse that was once trained at the Gold Coast, now called Dream Winner. What's the deal with him at the moment? California Spangle. Yeah, so he's going to run first up next week on the 15th. Uh, there's a group two mile. Um, he'll go up against uh, Beauty Eternal, who I'm trialling this morning. Uh, so I had to make a little bit of a decision between those two horses. And I just thought that group two race early in the season, he, California Spangle will carry 135. And he has to give, I think it's 12 or 14 pound away to Beauty Eternal. Um, and I was happy to try and give Beauty Eternal a chance to see if he was going to be able to measure up against these horses. Of course, he's trained by John Size, so he won't have him peaking uh, for this race first time out. He'll no doubt have uh, the international races in December in mind, but it'll be a good measure of where he's at against Spangle and some of the other good horses, uh, and then we'll see what happens from there. Of course, uh, you rode him last start, uh, didn't you, when he ran third there? Um, he, he led that particular day. That was, what, back in April? Yeah, that's his racing pattern, isn't it, to lead. He likes to get out in front. He, he actually trialled on Tuesday and was beaten for speed by Dream Winner. Uh, Dream Winner beat him in the trial, but that was on the dirt. And Dream Winner's obviously a, quite a quick horse, so that wasn't a surprise. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, he looks like he's, he's in OK form. Um, but until we get to the races, we, we never quite know. But yeah. uh, that race at the end of last season, that was... That was the match race of the decade with Golden 60, Romantic Warrior and California Spangle and those three horses drew well clear of the rest of the field. Unfortunately for me, Golden 60 mowed me down like he has so many times in his career. Yeah. Zach, um, I want to talk about Absurd. I don't know if you've done his replays yet, trained by Willie Mullins. You go way back with Willie. Of course, you rode Max Dynamite to a placing in a a Melbourne Cup, didn't you? One of his cups. Yeah, I did uh, for the same connections as well. So... Yeah, um, I've had some type of connection with him for a while. Uh, he's a genius as a trainer. He knows exactly what he's doing with his horses. Uh, when it comes to the Melbourne Cup, he's identified which are the right horses to take down. He tries to beat the handicapper with the race being a handicap uh, to get them in at, at the right weights. And I think he's got two really good live chances uh, this year, and the market will tell you that anyway. Obviously, the other one is Vaughan is the um, number one seed and the best pick, and Ryan Moore rides him. But uh, there's not too much between them, um, 
and it'll obviously just come down to how the races run on the day. Yeah, they did clash at Royal Ascot when Vaubean led and won easily, but uh, Absurd was terrific running second because he wanted to fight the rider for the entire trip back in the field, so he did a good job, and his Ebor effort last start with Frankie on was outstanding, wasn't it? Posted the whole way on speed, wide. Yeah, exactly. That uh, race at Royal Ascot that you mentioned, um, Vauban led that, and he turned it along in front. He controlled the race, and then he upped the tempo about a 1,000 from home, which is what they, they do over there in the UK, and he he went, got in the straight and put seven lengths on him, and my horse was back last, as you said, pulled his head off the whole whole way. When I watched that race, I thought there's no way this horse can finish, and he still managed to finish the race off, and then obviously he went to Ebor a couple of starts after that. Like you said, he sat three wide, no cover, up on the speed, uh, and kept grinding away half mile from home with 60.5 kilos on his back, and uh, continued to do enough. So he can certainly run the distance. He's done it carrying weight. Um, and there's no better man to get them, get them ready than Willie Mullins. Yeah, he won't know himself. You're 53 uh, with you on in, in the Melbourne Cup. That's absurd. Yeah, winner over 4,000 yeah, metres. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the distance is not a problem. Um, and I, I've seen photos of him and video of him down there in Melbourne. He, he looks very, very fit. Next weekend, a couple of key rides. I want to talk about Light Infantry. You're going to ride him in the King Charles. He, David Simcock did a good job with him. He raced some, in some really strong races up in the Northern Hemisphere this year, Light Infantry. Yeah, he's come out of, like you said, uh, some very strong races against some really good horses, and he hasn't beaten, been beaten too far. Uh, he hasn't won a race for two years, which is always a little bit of a concern. You like them winning a little bit more regularly than that, but he has been up against uh, the best of the best over there. He's travelled a little bit around Europe as well and acquitted himself well, so I don't think the travel to Australia is going to be uh, an issue for him. And if he can run to that level in Australia, he's going to be right there. Um, hopefully he can find his head in front again. Yeah, they've been riding him differently too. He led at Royal Ascot in that Queen Anne Stakes and then we've seen him box seat in recent times and he got checked by Inspiral two runs ago. So uh, that's light infantry, a terrific ride there in the King Charles. Uh, in secret, you've picked up the ride here in the, the Tab Everest? Yeah, she's honest, isn't she? She's very good on a day. Um, her run last start was nice. She's trialled well again since... Uh, it's just obviously it's a very strong race. She's going to need the right gate and to get the right run to be um, a winning chance. But um, she's certainly been prepared for the race and she's going to be peaking at the right time. Other rides on the day at this stage? Uh, I have got some others, but uh, my manager's been handling that, so I, I can't tell you what they are. No, that's OK. Who, yeah. who is handling your rides when, when you come out to Australia, Zach? Uh, Pop-Up's been doing them, so Paul Webster, yeah, he's been doing a good job. He likes doing it. Um, he's very enthusiastic and uh, he's well-liked by a lot of people, so he's, um, yeah, he's doing a good job. And when could we see you back then after that Everest meeting? Yes, I'll go back for the Cox Plate to ride light infantry again if he runs well in the King Charles and then back down for the Melbourne Cup after that. All right. And just with Hong Kong, is there much that's um, you know changed there the, the past couple of years, or is it still pretty you know pretty much the same? Or is it what's happening in regards to prize money and things like that? Or is it pretty sort of settled there at the moment in regards to that stabilised? No, our prize money went up. I think it was seven percent again this season. So every year I've been here, it's gone up on average three to five percent every year. But they put it up. I think it was seven percent across the board last season and now they pay back to sixth prize money as well which is good for the owners 
Um, but yeah, Hong Kong's the same place as what it was five or six years ago. It's a great place to live. It's a great place to work, and you know I enjoy it. So uh, yeah, it's been good to me. I think you did. You first go there in about two thousand and seventeen, Zach. Two. 2007. 2007, I'm sorry. Yeah, so yeah. I've done 16 years here. So yeah, and of course... I've had, uh, had a little bit of luck. It's been all right. Six premierships, is it? That's right, yep. Yeah, incredible. And, Zach, something I didn't know until this morning when uh, looking up, you've got your little website, you've got actually your own merchandise, haven't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, there's <laughs> some hoodies and some hats on there. <laughs> yeah, they're fantastic. Oh, yeah, uh, a lot of people had been asking for something along the journey and you know, it gives uh, my wife something to do. Uh, it sells quite well, actually. I was surprised. Uh, we've had to do another run to get some more stock. Well, they're so, fashionable. Pick yeah. the caps and the other merchandise you've got there. Yeah, so the, the black caps, we did a collaboration with New Era. Um, so they uh, they do a good job and the hats fit really well. They look good. So, yeah, they're... Um, they're catchy anyway. The, lo- the logo looks good on them. All right. So how do we find those for people listening that want to order some Zach Purton merchandise? Yeah, it's pretty easy. You just go to zachpurton.com. That's the website and you'll find the link and all the information you need on there. I was trying to find your Group 1 tally this morning. It, it just varies slightly depending on what website you're looking at. What is it What is it at the moment? Do you know exactly? Um, I don't know, no. But um, what I do know is that... Uh, it's over I 40. Yeah, I've, well, it's it's a bit tricky, right? Because I've ridden in all those different countries. I've I've ridden in nine different countries, ridden winners in seven different countries, and we've ridden Group One winners in six different countries. So sometimes it's a little bit hard to keep track of what's going on. But we uh, we only have twelve Group One races per season here in Hong Kong, so it's very hard to rack up um, a large number of Group One wins here. Whereas in Australia, of course, there are over seventy Group One races a season um but yeah I, I think my strike grade at winning the group one races here is, is pretty high but uh, I, can't, I can't tell you how many i've won yeah a couple of uh, websites said you of course you started in brisbane but that wasn't the case you started at coughs uh, but you were you born in lismore zach i was yeah a lot of people think i'm a queenslander um but because of my early days as an apprentice riding there in brisbane in southeast queensland but yeah i was born in lismore um, I lived there until I was seven, and then we moved to uh, Carpenter's Rocks, which is near Mount Gambia in South Australia. We had a little beach shack right on the water, which was really nice. And then we moved to New Zealand for five years, I think it was, um, when, from when I was seven to 12. And then we moved back to Carpenter's Rocks in uh, South Australia for another 12 months. And then we moved to Coffs Harbour when I was 14, um, and I started my apprenticeship in Coffs Harbour. And how did that start with Trevor Hardy back then? Yeah, it did. So he was, I think he was 60 when I walked into his stable um, as, a, as a 14 and a half year old. So he was old school. He was hard. I knew nothing about racing. Uh, he basically had to teach me everything. Um, but yeah, he was what I thought was hard on me back in, in those days. And the only apprentice he had, on, had before me was Glenn Collis. Who, who's, as we know, is a very successful jockey uh, himself, and he was flying in Brisbane at the time, and all I used to hear about was Glenn this, Glenn that, and I used to think, I can't wait till I meet this Glenn guy so I can <laughs> wring his neck. <laughs> I'm sick of hearing about him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was he was very good to me. I lived with Trevor. Um, 
on weekends and school holidays. Uh, and then when I started as an apprentice, lived with him um, in all those early years until I moved to Brisbane, which I lived there for a couple of years. Then I moved to the Gold Coast for a couple of years um, with John Wallace. I finished my apprenticeship uh, under John Wallace. And then uh, once I completed my time, I moved to Sydney for two years uh, before coming to Hong Kong. So I've been around everywhere. Um, and Trevor said at the time that I was the best horse that he'd ever trained because obviously the 25% he was collecting was, Gee, was uh, that quite was? Uh, lucrative for him. Every, <laughs> every time I went back home, he'd have a new car, a new horse truck, a new pergola out the back, <laughs> a new TV. And <laughs> it, was, it was all from me. So he enjoyed that. But one thing he did say was he was going to retire when I left. Uh, and I... I left a long time ago now, and he's still training a couple of horses. <laughs> he said uh, he said he just got bored. He did he did try and give it up, but he got bored. So he likes being in and around the stable, and it gives him something to do. And um, his health hasn't been the best uh, over the last few years, but you know that's quite natural when you're you're as old as he is now. But um, yeah, he's, it was nice. He'd come over to Hong Kong. Before COVID, I won two Group Ones on the day. I think it was Beauty Generation and Exultant might have been that year. Um, so he, he always said he wanted to come to Hong Kong and see me ride before it was too late, um, before he couldn't get on a plane and fly anymore. And he's at that stage now where I, I don't think he can get on a plane. So that was good to see him. Um, and he's, he's still going strong. So Yeah, he's a nice uh, fellow, good. isn't he? Yeah, he is. Mm. Yeah, um, he's, uh, He hasn't got too many enemies. No, of course, we talked about your first winner was uh, Magic Zap at Armadale, wasn't it, uh, in the year 2000? Just something I didn't ask you about. I know time is on the wing, but in regards to your mum and dad, we don't hear a lot about their history, Zach. Yeah, well, they... Um, my mum uh, is a Kiwi. She was born in Timaru in New Zealand, uh, grew up in Christchurch. But she left home. Her mother, unfortunately, died when she was young. She got killed on Christmas Eve, I think, when she was 14 or 15, and um, she sort of didn't handle that too well. So as soon as she was old enough to leave home, she did. And she went to Australia and was backpacking around Australia and met my father, who was also backpacking around Australia. So they teamed up together and um, have basically been... were gypsies there for a while, travelling around, um, until I come along. And then they had to sort of put roots down and live a bit more of a stable life. But, uh, yeah, they've been around everywhere. Uh, we lived in far north Queensland there for a while, up in the Daintree region, um, as well as sort of Coffs Harbour Casino and everywhere else I've mentioned. But they uh, they still live just outside of Coffs Harbour. Mum's got the laundromat in Wagoolga, uh, and Dad uh, he drives taxis uh, to fill in some time and give him something to do, uh, as well as looking after everything that comes with farm life. And you know the kids are they're all grown up and moved out now, so. How many of the family? So I've got two sisters. Um, the youngest sister lives in Sydney. She's a town planner um, for a big company there. I just can't, it might be Urbis or something. I can't quite remember. I have one other sister lives in Brisbane. She's got a couple of kids there, married to a French guy. She works in respite care at uh, one of the hospitals there. And then my brother lives in Cairns in far north Queensland. He's a school teacher and he actually coaches... The, uh, the girls' soccer team there who uh, won the, the Queensland state title and he took them to the nationals as well. So he enjoys doing that. He was a very good soccer player himself, but unfortunately, like me, uh, succumbed to a lot of injuries. He kept doing his hamstring and knees and things like that. So his career, unfortunately, 
come to an end. He was it was just about to break into the Brisbane Raw side there oh, at one what's stage. His name? He, he, uh, Josh. Josh. Okay. Yeah. So they so, realise yeah, how big a, you are in world racing, though. Uh, yeah, they know. Yeah, of course, <laughs> they know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they um, they're busy doing their own thing, so I don't see too much of them these days because we're all sort of scattered around, and it's hard when I'm over here. But uh, yeah, they've, they've all done well, so mum and dad are proud of them, and as am I. Yeah, I watched a story actually uh, recently about Wilgulga there. It's a beautiful part there, not far from Coffs Harbour. You mentioned your mum's there, and there's a, there's a big Sikh population there as well, and everyone seems to get on beautifully there at Wilgulga. Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice spot, great place to go for a, a little holiday. It was a, a quiet little town, which is getting bigger and bigger all the time. Um, but, yeah, they got they got a lovely beach and uh, just a really nice vibe there. All right. So your mum, you drop the washing off, do you? Do your mum when you come? <laughs> <laughs> I sure do. Nothing's changed there. <laughs> yeah. Look, we're so proud of you. And uh, as I said, we're great. it's great to see you back next week in Sydney with these terrific rides. And thanks for giving us so much of your time, Zach. No worries. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Zach Burton, joining us, uh, giving us a bit of insights, things I didn't know about. I didn't know about the Mount Gambia situation there for a while and North Queensland and the other family members. But, yeah, over 15,000 rides, over 2,500 winners. Um, group 1's over 40 of them. Uh, group 1's, of course, he rode three in Australia this year, didn't he? Uh, Mr Brightside, the Doncaster and Communist and, of course, um, the Canterbury Stakes winner as well. Um um, Artorias, he, he was a handful, but Zach got the best out of him. Um, UK's ridden Group 1 winners, Singapore, Japan, uh, and, of course, so many of them in Hong Kong. And some of the horses he's ridden there. You know, he won 15 races on Beauty Generation, 11 on Exultant. He won 11 on Aero Velocity, 9 on, on Johan Lover, 9 on Lucky Swain S, and he's still going, of course. Uh, Little Bridge, that was his winner in the, in the Group 1 in the UK. He won 9 in Hong Kong. Beauty Eternal, seven. California Spangle, seven. Hot King Prawn, six. Um, just an absolute legend, isn't he? Uh, in the sport of kings, Zach Purton. So it's always a pleasure to have him on Racing HQ. We'll